You're listening to the Utah Man Podcast, bringing you the latest news and analysis for your Utah youths. Now, your hosts, Cameron, Ryan, and Scott. Welcome on into the Utah Man Podcast. On this episode, the Utes fall in the second half to the Washington Huskies, and we're looking forward to the Utes as they take on the Beavers. I'm Cameron. And I'm joined by Ryan. What's up, you nation? And Scott. Let's go. Let's talk about this. Let's break it down. Oh, Cry me what a river. game. Cry me another what river. What a game. Utah, Utah loses 24-21 after dominating in the first half. I was so pissed after this game. The USC game, I wasn't that upset about. But this game, like I, we were texting after the, after the game. I was fired up. I was pissed. You were. You were a little not safe for work action going on on my on my text chain. It was right up there with Spence Checkets. <laughs> <laughs> we 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 uh, management of the You Tell Man podcast right now is is in deliberating on Cameron's future, whether he'll still be around. It, it was a close call to even have him participate in the podcast today. I hate you guys. <laughs> So first half, Utah, as I said, Utah dominated, held Washington to 127 yards offensively, two interceptions. Uh, They held the Huskies to zero third down conversions, 0 for 6. Everything was going Utah's way. They're getting momentum. You're starting to see this offense come together. And then halftime came. Washington made adjustments. Utah took the air out of the ball, and they just watched their tournament point lead fall away. Everything, everything swung as soon as that cameraman's head hit the ground. <laughs> everything was going Utah's way that until was, that, that moment. Was brutal. He was out cold. <laughs> I don't that was bad. I don't think I've seen anything quite like that. <laughs> and, I, and I don't mean to make fun because that that looked pretty pretty brutal. And hopefully he's okay. But I got I got a bit of a kick out of Vaughn patting him on the butt. <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> Like, dude, he, he can't feel that. He's out, man. My wife kept going, he's dead. <laughs> he's dead. He's not moving. Dude, he didn't. I mean, there was no budge. He he was frozen. I That was, that was. And you know what? All because Vaughn didn't cut it back inside. I know. Oh, if I could replay what I was saying in my living room. Cut back, cut back, well, cut back. Why don't you at least try? What's the point yeah. of going out of bounds? Yeah. Give it a shot. Yeah, he he may have. There may have been plenty of guys there to tackle him, but at least give it a shot. And had he gotten to the end zone, then then maybe we still win this game <laughs> with putting a goose egg up in the second half. Well, you take that, and then you also have that missed opportunity on when Marks uh, had the pick six right in his gut, dropped the ball. Well, and that was true, but we did did they punted it back to us, and we did score on that possession. If ah, oh, that's true. If if I remember right, but two two keys um, where we left two field goals off the board. First possession, Bentley gets strip sacked. We were in field goal range, and uh, and then the fumble kind of late uh, middle of the fourth quarter with uh, Ty Jordan again in field goal range. That's potentially six more points to add to the add to the board right there and you know that could have still been the difference in the game so just missed opportunities great first half i mean i don't know if if, i don't know if we want to break this down just in general or go first half versus second half but what what this team did offensively and defensively in the first half was was utah football 2019 it looked like where we were middle of the year last year rolling offensively rolling defensively Game over at halftime, snooze fest. No, I think you're dead on. In that first half, all the things that we were complaining about after the USC game, things were starting to click. The offensive line was playing a lot better um, in stretches in that first half. And even having Ford move to center, it really seemed like that unit was playing better. They gave... They were giving Bentley a lot more time. It, at times, they still had a no. A they didn't play a perfect game. They did not by by any means play a perfect game. But there was improvement from the USC game. If Definitely. you look at the at the stats of the game, kind of the deep stats of it, I think they gave eight or nine more clean pockets than they did against USC. So there was improvement. 
So they gave eight or nine clean pockets in total? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so eight or nine more clean pockets. How many of those clean pockets were double clutch throws? He's got to make a decision and throw the ball. Do we, do we want to get into Bentley yet? We can get into Bentley right now. Okay, where are we starting? There's a lot of places we can start on this. A lot of that's the same as last week. His, his arm, his arm at times is good. His, at other times, it's like, dude, what are you doing? <laughs> any, any guy that plays for our program, I love. But, but watching him play QB, it's different. It's a different experience. Like at moments, He's he's breaking breaking the line of scrimmage. He's running. He's getting big first downs with his legs. He's taking on tacklers. He looks like a stud. And other times, you can't even he get the ball so ten lost. yards out there. And, well, and to me, that's that's the biggest that's the biggest kind of thing that's so strange about this is he's got thirty one starts under his belt, and yet he, at times he still just looks like he can't make up his mind. He doesn't know what to do, and when he does, he just some of those throws are just yike. Well, and I think that kind of shows, and I'm not trying to knock him. I got a lot of lot of respect for Bentley and how he, he carries himself, especially after that game. Taking questions from the media when there are quarterbacks in the state, if they lose, they refuse to talk to the media. So props to him for doing that. But when you look at it, a three-year starter that transfers out of a program because they lost their starting job, there are some red flags there. Just going off that to begin with. We don't even have to bring in his time at, at uh, South Carolina to bring up red flags. I mean, you, you look at what he's done so far. Now, granted, I know that USC game somewhat should be thrown out the window because he, he wasn't game plan for that game. You know, just obviously you lose your starter so quick. First game of the season off a very weird offseason. But he's 32 of 51 through two games for 315 yards. That's an average of 115 yards a game passing. That's and, like Lance Rice statistics. And, and Tommy Lee is the coordinator. You then, just aged us. Nice job. Then, then, you, then you throw in four picks, two fumbles to go with two touchdowns. It's, I mean, just yikes. There's definitely more yikes than good now as i said there were some good thing he does throw some good balls in the first half he threw that deep ball to thompson both, thompson made a heck of a catch but both balls to thompson the one that, for the touchdown, that, touchdown. That's the other one was I was amazing of it. they're both great and they're both good throws right where they needed to be but then you look at the the third down play to enos enos is open if he leads him he can turn it upfield for the first down. Put a little pepper on it. He throws it behind him a foot off the ground. Enos made a heck of a catch coming back for it, but fourth down and punt. Well, I think it kind of goes back to what you're saying, Ryan. His arm just isn't there. It's not as strong as what we've seen from other quarterbacks. And I think when teams are game planning against Bentley, you got to get him to run. Because when he doesn't have his proper footing, when he doesn't have all his mechanics, he can't sling the ball. Okay, but you bring up a good point. How many drives were extended in that first half because of his legs? No, a, a lot. lot. A lot. And, and, and okay. I'm not and, saying he, and, and, he can't run. I'm no, saying he no, can't throw no, off no, the No, I'm run. saying he can run. He's proven he can run. There's no doubt about that. And that's a pleasant surprise. But guess what happened in the second half? They didn't let him run. He didn't scramble for anything in the second half. They didn't let him. And look at how our offense shut down. If he doesn't pick up those the key first downs and big yardage on the ground in the first half, we're not even putting up 21 points in the first half. It's almost as if the key to our offense right now is his leg. And that's not something you can rely upon. Because teams are not going to continue to allow him to, to get big yardage on the ground. Well, that's, it's, you're absolutely right, but it's ironic because he... He is, quote, the pocket passer of the two quarterbacks. He should be the one who's comfortable sitting in the pocket throwing the ball. But he really hasn't have shown a, that. you got to have a pocket to sit in. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, think, I, I think you're on a good point here, Scott. 
But knowing that, then it comes down to coaching. And it comes down to what is the co- what are the coaches doing? What is Ludwig calling that can get this team in success? Because obviously in the second half, they didn't. I know what Ludwig's calling. Ty Jordan to the left. Ty Jordan to the right. Ty Jordan up the middle. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and I'm not being, that's not a, a, a slam on Jordan because I think he's going to be a heck of a player. But to be effective, you've got to spread the ball out. Well, and, and, and the, our problem is not just Jake Bentley. Our problem is not just the offensive line. Our problem is not just wide receivers. It is the entirety of the group. I thought Ludwig called a pretty, pretty, it was a pretty good game in the first half. Mm-hmm. I mean, he wasn't doing anything outrageous, anything spectacular. But he got Keithy involved. He got but he, Thompson but he did. involved. He got guys involved. We were we were doing stuff in the passing game. We we didn't stretch the field all that much, but we threw it a few times just to keep them keep them honest. And and we were able to get some big plays in the run game, some big plays through the passing game. But in typical Kyle Whittingham fashion, we get a lead, and we go into conservative mode where there is no creativity in that second half with the play calling. I mean, Ryan and I were talking about this last night. It seemed like in that first half, Utah was running a lot of sweeps, um, getting to the edges. I mean, they ran that one with Keithy in the first half. They completely went away from it and went, to your point, got a lot more conservative. I mean, they did move the ball. I mean, let's give this offense some credit in the second half. On the they, ground, they, on the ground. Yes, they, they, did, they were able to move the ball, but they had some turnovers that, that stopped those drives, right? On the one with Ty Jordan... Uh, they had 61 yards on that play on that drive. So they were moving the ball throughout the second half. It wasn't nothing but three and outs, but their problem was they couldn't keep it consistently. They they could get a couple first downs and then fizzle out. And I think that's where this offense needs to kind of start growing. And, and where this offensive staff, especially with Ludwig, with his play calling, is while this team is building a drive, he needs to continue to put his team in in areas where they can have success, even if it's bunt, or Bentley with his legs, unfortunately, as that is. They need to keep getting these guys the ball. They keep needing to get guys in success to make plays. Okay, so Kyle Winningham, what is Kyle Winningham's philosophy offensively? Don't turn the ball over. Well, it- that's not working. <laughs> okay, well, since you bring that up, Cam, nine turnovers through two games. We're averaging over one turnover per quarter played. I mean, I get it. You're going to have some fluky things happen. You're going to have some bad turnovers. But nine in two games? games. Nine. Uno, dos, tres, cuatro, cinco, seis, siete, ocho, nueve. Come on. Uh, And they're just, they're they're bad turnovers. I mean, not all turnovers are good, but meaning, you know, mistakes are going to happen in football. But where Bentley has just kind of been throwing the ball up for grabs 30 yards down the field, those are turnovers you cannot have. Well, and even the pick that uh, he was, it was intended for Covey across the middle, where he spun from pressure, which was a great move, create a little bit more time. Did he not see the defender there? I mean, th- yeah. that ball is underthrown, even if, even if the defender's not there. Mm-hmm. It's not even, I, it may not even reach Covey. Well, that's another. That goes to what Cameron was saying, that he, he he's not good throwing on the run. All right, we got the first part down. Kyle hates turnovers. Well, yike. Okay, what does Kyle preach offensively? Run the ball. Balance? Balance, right? It's like Sunday school class. It's <laughs> got told in the poster boards back there. Uh Kyle always is talking about balance, a balanced offense. We ran the ball 42 times to 23 pass attempts. I've got nothing because all through fall camp, it was going to be, it was touted that this was going to be a pass-heavy offense. And, And Kyle's words, both quarterbacks are borderline elite. Bentley definitely was not elite uh, this past week. Uh, we're up against it. We got to call timeout. When we come back, let's let's continue this discussion on a balanced Utah offense. All right. So before we went to break, Scott, you're kind of you brought up the point that Winningham likes a balanced team. 
obviously Utah ran the ball a lot more than, than they passed. And I think a lot of that had to be with getting such a big lead. Winningham likes to sit on it. Why are you laughing? I'm laughing because a 21-point lead on the road against a good Washington team, that's not insurmountable. Oh, well, clearly not, but you're right. I mean... So why do we deflate the ball coming out of halftime and just abandon the everything the we passing did. game and any creativity offensively so that we can just continue to pa- run the ball? And I think all of us tweeted at some point after the game that not one wide receiver or tight end touched the ball in the second half. And and that just can't happen. You, that can't happen. When you have the talent as you do with, with Keithy alone, who is an all Pac-12 preseason player, how is he not touching the ball every series? Look, look at the other side of the ball. Washington found something that worked using their tight end, and they exploited Utah's defense. And, and their tight end was open. It wasn't as if Dylan Morris was just throwing dimes into great coverage. Their tight end was running wide open all second half. Ended the game, eight catches, 108 yards, and two touchdowns, one being the game winner. He was the difference in the second half. Mm -hmm. And guess who's got that ability? Two or three of our tight ends have that ability. Yes. I mean, Keithy Keithy was first team all Pac-12 over Kate Otten. I'm not taking any way f- anything away from Otten. He is a really good player, and obviously a hard de- he's hard to defend, but so is Keithy. So why can we not get him in those situations? Why can we not get him open down the field? The only way we're getting him the ball is we're handing it off to him. Literally, all we're doing is handing the ball off to our tied end. I mean, look at I'm it. at a loss. Keithy had four receptions for only 23 yards. Yeah, because I mean, everything so, happens right around the line of scrimmage. Exactly. So what they do give him the ball, it, to your point, Scott, yeah, it's just right around the line of scrimmage. They're not, and I know a lot of that has to do with uh, the inability of the offensive line, not getting, you know, not giving Bentley enough time to allow the routes um, to develop. So it's, it's all encompassing, right? There's just not one, one thing you can point to with this offense and say, oh, if we fix this, it fixes everything. But I think that goes back to coaching. I think it goes back to Harding, how he's handling this offensive line. I think it goes back to to Ludwig, how what plays he what he's he's calling. And I know it's it's easy to sit here and, and be Monday morning Monday morning quarterback with all of this. But it, it, if you look at the, just the play calling, the difference between the first and second half, it, it's night and day. Ludwig is not an inexperienced offensive coordinator. He has done this for years. He. Well, we think he knows what he's doing. So, and at times he calls some brilliant series and some brilliant games, but we've also seen in his two stints here, him lay an egg. But assuming... Actually, we've laid four straight straight eggs. (laughs) It's either Ludwig just goes into a funk and can't get out of it, or Whittingham's in his ear telling him what to do, or they don't trust Bentley. With, with all that being said, and and I know there's a big portion of our fan base right now who is all about team fun, and 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 that's great because this should be fun, right? Watching the Utes, and especially in such a weird season, that I mean, it's it. I, I'm kind of on on. I'm on one. If you can't tell right now. The the thing that's concerning me, yes, we're young at the at at the O line position, which we haven't even gotten into yet. And I've people maybe don't want us to get to that point. And uh, as 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 how this is going so far, but the thing that's concerning to me is just the trend, the trend that we continually see. I love Kyle Winningham; he's an all timer. I'm ready to help build that statue for him outside Rice Cycles one day. But there is a part of me, I'm a little sick and tired of his offensive philosophy. I would completely agree with that. At at some point, with the way college football has changed, it's offense now. It's all offense. This isn't 1990s anymore. 
This isn't even the early 2000s. The game is an offensive game. And if you can't, we're dead last in, in points per game right now in the Pac-12. You cannot score 19 points a game and expect to win, even if you've got a great defense. You're up 21 nothing at halftime. I don't care if you have last year's defense with nine future NFLers on the team. You don't just neuter your offense because you think, well, my defense will get, it, get the job done and we'll still sneak out a W. Why are we always trying to sneak out of things? Why don't we lay it on them? Well, why can't you have a good D and a good offense? You can have both. Yes, you can. And guess what? Yes, we're just, we're just a bunch of dudes or sitting around a table talking football. And we are, not prof- we are not coaches. So trust me, I know that the things we're talking about are a lot harder, harder said than done. But at some point, I just, you've got you've to get past this mentality to just get by. You've got to do something offensively. No, and I think I, I, I completely agree with you guys. And, and there is that track record with Winningham. Uh, of, you know, getting a lead and then playing not to lose rather than playing to win. Did he learn nothing from Urban? Nope. Not offensively, didn't. <laughs> so I, I know we, we've kind of been harping um, a lot on, on the negative side uh, of this offense. Let's flip it up. Let's talk, let's talk a little positivity here. Ty Jordan. 10 carries, 97 yards. He, I mean, yes, he did have that fumble. But outside of that, Utah has found I think, a, a star in the making in Ty Jordan. And how exciting is it to see him grow over the next couple games? I think it's clear. Well, in my opinion, I think it's clear that they found their running back because you don't fumble inside your own 20-yard line and then you're the next series you have the ball, you're the first one to touch it. As a true freshman. <laughs> I mean, I was, I was somewhat dumbfounded when he was right back on the field. Because Kyle doesn't do that. He, he, he punishes guys for a drive, at least. But a true freshman. I think Wilmore may have been hurt at that point. Yeah, Wilmore but you mean, did you've limp, got an upperclassman but... in Brumfield. Which we'll, we'll get in. We'll get into the kind of the breakdown and the rotation of the running back position. But that really it did surprise me. That a pretty costly turnover, and in some ways I like it. In some ways, I like Kyle saying, "Look, dude, you're our offense. You're our guy. Get back out there and and make up for that." Um, in other ways, I mean, he he looked like he was pretty bummed out on the sidelines. He he looked like he was taking it pretty hard. Mm-hmm. And, and, and maybe that's good enough to, uh, he, he takes care of himself and, and, and hopefully we don't see that moving forward. But to an extent, I hate to go back to Ludwig, but why are we running that play again? That was like the, the eighth time we've run that, that play in that game. And guess what? It worked a few times. They kind of figured it out. That even if he doesn't fumble it, he's, he's tackled behind the line of scrimmage. Mm-hmm. And that goes back to that lack of creativity. I know Cameron steered us to positivity, and I just dragged us right back into negative negativity. But, um, but no, Ty Jordan. He's Zach. Zach Moss may uh, some of his records may be in jeopardy from what we're seeing so so far out of Ty Jordan. If that's the case, that's it's going to be one spectacular career. So, do you guys like what Winningham and staff are doing right now? Kind of still mixing it up. Uh, between the three, or, or are you guys expecting and wanting to see? Well, it's it's still kind of four. I know I know Bernard's not getting a ton of carries, but he still did have three attempts and averaged four point three. I've I've got a take for you. I think I think you got to get down to a two, maybe a three man rotation. And in my opinion, I think Brumfield's number four. Wow. If Wilmore's healthy, I probably side with you on that. I mean, I, I I can see that happening. I think the thing with Brumfield is he's probably your best uh, blocker in the backfield. Um, I, I think that's one reason why Brumfield does get um, a little I'd bit hate, more I'd run. hate to see if he's not getting snaps how bad things get. <laughs> well, and, and he's also your kind of 
bruiser back. Like you need you need one or two yards. You give it to him. But no, you but just do a quarterback he? sneak and get stuffed. Oh, don't get me started. So fourth and two, and you do a backup quarterback sneak. I mean, not a backup quarterback. Like turn around and run backwards, quarterback no, sneak. It was our backup quarterback <laughs> doing the backup sneak i mean oh my gosh it wasn't even like fourth and a yard it was over it was two yards not to mention you've been running it pretty good i how do you not give it to one of your back yeah that that was or run the wildcat and put question question calls by Ludwig in in that second half okay but going back beyond that wilmore he just doesn't have the burst that the same that those other three backs have when they see a hole, they're able to burst through it. Mm-hmm. He just doesn't have that same burst. And, you know, he he missed a number of holes. He did. In in the Washington game. Honestly, I, I like Brumfield a lot. But from what you're seeing, I mean, Ty Jordan's clearly number one. Wilmore, I think, I think, Will, I shouldn't say clearly number one. I think, I think Wilmore's pretty close. He's, he's productive. The, the question is, what type of injury is he dealing with and how long is he going to be out? Um, I know Micah, uh, Mika Bernard has not gotten a ton of carries, but he's averaging right now over over what Brumfield's doing. And and when he's gotten those opportunities, you can see a burst out of him. Yes, he hasn't hasn't broken anything big as of yet, but uh, the future is bright with Ty Jordan. The future, I mean, the future is bright with the whole position group in general. I mean, let's not for, forget we got a four star Ricky Parks. Who's coming in um, next class? Who was a big time recruit? And you're going to add him to a young Ty Jordan and a Jordan Wilmore. I mean, we're you're going to have some transfers to that position because there's just not enough. I mean, we've already seen it this year with TJ Green, right? Yeah, you're you're going to have some guys who are going to fall out of favor and they're going to transfer and and you know they could be big time recruits themselves. So that's that's what's going to happen. But you talk about that. You talk about the running backs with so a wealth of talent. The same you could say the same thing at wide receiver. You could. There are guys on this offensive side of the ball that can make plays if you get them the ball. Covey obviously had limited action. I think they're trying to bring him back slowly, but we saw him on a couple of plays. Nakua didn't play. Enos had a couple of catches. Two catches for six yards. Thompson had three catches for sixty-five. And Keithy. Your your leading receiver was the same person who was your leading rusher, Ty Jordan. It was literally the Ty Jordan show. And 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 again, that's awesome in so many ways. But if a true freshman running back is your leading receiver, yikes. But here's the thing though. If you center your offense, whether it's passing and running around one player, the defense doesn't even have to think. Do you know what that reminds me of? Colorado the last couple of years. Colorado's had one, you know, very decent, good player on offense, and they try to make their whole offense around that. Well, the perfect example, third, what was it, third and, third and five or six, late in the game, we throw the ball to Ty Jordan short of the sticks. Guess who was wide open? Keithy. The best player on offense by a large margin. But... Now maybe Ty Jordan was the first option on that. I don't know what I don't know the play call. But if it is, but, you got to see that he's not going to get the ball, get the first down if you throw him the ball. That it just goes back to this offense. We're just not getting anything out of it. We've. Got, I'm sorry, Brian Thompson is an NFL wide receiver. Mm-hmm. We're not showing that he is. He's got the skills. There, there is no reason he should not end every game with a minimum of six catches, a minimum of six catches. And he's getting three and four catches a game. Brant Keithy should have six to eight catches minimum per game. With a healthy Covey, you could probably say the same thing. But that's a lot of catches. If you go around, I mean, you got a Samson Nakua, you've got a number of guys, a Solomon Enos. There is so much talent. There's got to be a breakout. There's got to be guys that are getting the ball and getting it consistently. Well, look how effective your offense would be if you get those guys that many touches. Well, and that's when you, you use the throw game to open up your run game. And when you have a quarterback that's only completing 16 passes, 
it's not going to cut it. And especially in the Pac-12, in a P5 conference, you have to have more than 16 completions to win a ball game. Well, and, and the other thing you got to factor in here is if Utah wants to take the next step as an offense, you've got to have a lot of talent at the wideout position. How are you going to recruit star stud wide receivers when you don't pass the ball? Well, any receiver who's being recruited looks at that stat line and goes, why am I going to go there? Yeah. I mean, I mean, you look at the defense and how well they're able to recruit in the secondary, you know, and a lot of that is because of the guys that they're able to develop and get into the league. If you're not putting guys in the league in the offense that are in the wide receiver group, your point's dead on. High school wide receivers that are highly talented, that are highly ranked, aren't going to go to a team where they're not being showcased. Well, and, and they don't want to go block 90% of the time. Wide receivers want the ball. And if, and, and again, it goes back to where is the game of college football? It's offense. You've got to be able to score points. You've got to have wideouts to score points. Yes, you've got to be good across the board. You've got to have a good O-line, good quarterback, good running back. But you can't just have some of them because then you become one-dimensional, which is what we're seeing. And and the thing that's frustrating is you're going to have maybe a Solomon Enos or maybe some of these guys who get sick of doing this and transfer out. Well, there was already rumblings that Enos wanted out this past I, offseason. I guarantee you, if things continue like this, we will have transfers from the wideout position. That's a problem. And until we can actually start utilizing these guys, it, it's going to be an issue for this offense to put up points on the board. Yes, Kyle loves to run the ball, and you've got to be able to run the ball. We're, and we're good at that. But we can't just be good at that. We've got this passing game, which continually hangs over our heads. You know, we had a couple good years with Tyler Huntley. And granted, I know we're on our backup quarterback. and But, but here, here's my take on that. You know, people keep saying, well, it's a throwaway season, and we got our backup quarterback. The quarterback we have in right now, everyone was expecting him to be the starter. Mm-hmm. So I was one of them. He he's not. He, he he wasn't some scrub that we're just like, oh crap, we have to deal with him now. He was expected to be the starter. So, you know, obviously Ludwig's got a lot. He's got he's got to get. He's got to do what what it takes and find a way to get him comfortable so that he can be successful because you're not going to win games in this league. And I'm not even talking just this year. This year is kind of a throwaway season. It truly is. But we don't know what the future holds for Cam Rising next year, if he can come back off this surgery and and be his his normal self. And we truly don't even know what his normal self is. And and are you going to rely on a true freshman uh, quarterback next year? So we could be seeing Bentley next year. They've got to figure this out now. All right, we got to take another break. When we come back, we'll be hitting up the defense. All right, so the Utah defense, I think, actually played a very good game. They pitched a shutout in the first half. And, and again, like another game where this defense is growing and getting better. I think the biggest stat that I love coming away from this game is they held Washington to 88 yards of rushing. And granted, Washington had to throw the ball a lot more in the second half because they were down by 21. But still, this defense, as young as it is and as inexperienced as it is, we're seeing them grow after these last two games. And it's something I think Utah fans can really get excited about. I think with the defense you see, especially in the run defense, you've seen what we've become accustomed to. I mean, as you, as you stated, 88 yards total on the ground for Washington when Washington in their first two games averaged over 200 yards rushing in both games. Uh, that's a significant drop-off. and You've got to give the, the defensive line and the linebackers credit on that. No, I th- there's really there's really nothing to nitpick or really be all that upset about with this defense. As young as these guys are, it it is ins- 
It's borderline insane what they're doing. Well, and they're going to make mistakes, right? I mean, we saw sure. some more missed tackles uh, this game as we did against USC. And I think that's expected. And I'm not saying that this defense is going to be lights out every single game, every single play. But I, I think going into the season, we all thought that was going to be the weakest point of this team, right? We all thought the defense was just going to be the, the worst growing pain that as Utah fans we've experienced in some time. Whether it's Nate Ritchie, uh, you know, Clark Phillips III, Nephi Sewell, Fotu. I mean, these guys that are getting significant reps for the first time in this program, they're really coming to play. And as a Utah fan, you got to be excited about that. Uh, if there's one negative thing about this game, they, they did allow 272 yards passing, uh, but they were able to get three picks. And 270 came in the second half. Is that true? Is it true? No. Oh, oh it was like they only had two yards. <laughs> it felt like that, though. <laughs> no, I mean, honestly, had you had you said, okay, Washington's going to end the game with 24 points, that's a success. Huge success. I would have taken that any day of the week, going up to Seattle, two days to prepare, and with that young of a defense, and you give up 24 points. And four depth charts on my desk. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'll tell you. I'll tell you. Beth, Beth, Beth had some love for, for Mr. Lake, didn't she? <laughs> How many times did they bring that up? Holy smokes. But, you know, honestly, this, you know, the, the secondary, yes, they got a little lax, I, I think, and we gave up some yards there in, in that second half, and and that's what really kind of got the momentum going, uh, especially right out of the gates. Gave up a bomb out of, out of halftime, put them on the two-yard line. Next play, they, they, they go in and score. And then they, had, they really had the momentum the rest of the second half. And, uh, but we didn't let anything really get going on the run game. The, the, we were able just to contain those guys, and, I mean, it was, it was a really good effort. The, the, the one concern I've got, which really is what we saw in game number one against USC, is a lack of pass rush. We're good against the run, but we're not, getting, we're not even really putting pressure on, on the quarterback. Let alone getting sacks, well, even, we're just not getting even pressure. Even when we bring in another guy, it's not we're not getting there. No, well, all all of our blitzes up the middle didn't even get through the line of scrimmage. Maybe maybe a couple of times, and still weren't able to get and and sack the quarterback, which is that's a little problematic. I I love Tafua and Max Tupai. I just don't think either guy's a number one. At least not yet. Tufua may be able to get there, but he he almost needs another th a serious threat of opposite him, somebody who can put some pressure from the other side, and and unfortunately that's our problem. We're not getting any we're not getting any pressure um, on the edges, and which is forcing Scally to bring extra guys up the gut, and that is as as you just mentioned, that's still not getting the job done. So until they can get start getting pressure, that's going to be hard against the secondary because who the a secondary's best friend is a good pass rush. But I'll tell you, I mean, we we got some studs at corner. Holy cow, Clark Phillips, he he can tackle too. But but Clark, I almost think Clark Phillips as as good as he is and as much pub as there was around him. I almost think he's being overshadowed a bit by uh, by JT by Mr. Broughton. They both they both have played well. No, both play, both playing extremely well. I thought uh, for Clark Phillips, there's a breakup in the in the end zone. I think right before they missed their field goal in the first quarter in the first half, and that's when for me it really hit me how well he's playing. Because for a true freshman to to break played, up a pass in the end zone. Play. That it was it was spot on, and and then you know you bring up those two guys and, and Nate Ritchie seven tackles um, out of the safety position, um, another guy who all off season that's all they talked about right that's all Winningham brought up on the defense was Nate Ritchie, and another guy who is kind of living up to that potential. I mean obviously they're still making mistakes, they're they're still two they're still true freshmen, 
but it's exciting to see these young guys making plays on the defense. No, and Fabian Marks, he wasn't even really anybody we were expected to see this year mm-hmm. as a true freshman. He he ends with one pick, should have had two. Mm-hmm. One of them potentially a pick six. I mean, I'll tell you that uh, there's going to be some ball hawks in the coming years. Yeah, in a year this or two, that defense is going to be lights out. We've just got we've got to continue. You know, obviously Van Fillinger. You know, I think each game he's going to get a little bit more fam- a little bit more comfortable. Um, but they've got to find a guy that can they can get some pressure consistently on on off the edges. That's going to be the key to this defense. But I'll tell you the way that things are going, I I just can't I can't even be upset at anything with what this defense is doing. Even giving up twenty four second half points. I didn't put that game on the defense at all. Mm-mm. I was really hoping that uh, they could move the ball on the, in the last 30 seconds and give Noise a chance for like a 60-plus yarder. Mr. Bentley said, no! <laughs> it's flies up time. <laughs> I, I never want to see him throw a desperation pass again. There's just been too many. Because it, it just goes out of the screen for 10 seconds. Mm-hmm. It's like he throws it into orbit. Orbits. All right, so that'll kind of do it for our thoughts on this game and where this Utah program is currently. Uh, we're up against it. We'll take our last break of this episode, and we come back. Let's talk about little Oregon State Beavers. Utah takes on Oregon State Beavers this coming Saturday. Uh, I mean, hopefully the game doesn't get canceled, but Utah's won four straight against the Beavers. Oregon State is coming off a big win uh, over their rival, Oregon. Who saw that coming? That was a crazy game. That was was a really entertaining game, and uh, even though it killed the conference, anytime Oregon goes down, you're going to get an applause from me. And it cost them one important hamstring. They might be out there starting quarterback this weekend. So Oregon State is coming in into Salt Lake on a two-game winning streak. Uh, they, As I said, they beat Oregon uh, the week before. They beat Cal 31-27. Uh, but they lost their first two games against Washington State and Washington. What are you guys' overall thoughts of this Beaver team coming into Salt Lake? No, I mean I'll I I'm a, I'm a Oregon State fan. I really like their coach. I think I think he is I think he's done a tremendous job taking over for Gary Anderson and the disaster that he left up at Oregon State. And as bad as they were his first two years, they've <laughs> they just beat a good Oregon team. And uh, I mean the, the strides that they've made in such a short amount of time, it's it's really to be applauded. I I, I really like what they're doing. But I do think we dodged a big bullet with uh, with Gebbia going out with that hamstring injury due to the Oregon player after the whistle giving him a little Yankee tanky <laughs> and uh, and snapping his hammy. Is that how it happened? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 There's photos of it. So I didn't see the game. And I saw some people on Twitter complaining about the officiating towards the end of the game, but I had no idea. So it was an Oregon player that caused the injury? Well, yeah. So yeah, they, it was on the they, goal they line. They got right? piled up on the goal line. The whistle blows, and dude just grabs his leg and yanks. And then Gebbia comes squirming out of the pile, just flopping like a little fish. Oh! And uh, you could tell he was in some pain. And then wasn't the, they brought in their backup the next play, and he scored the winning touchdown? Yeah. And and the funny thing is, the play before it should have been a touchdown. The play he got injured on, it shouldn't have happened because the play before they got in. And didn't call it, and and also Oregon State was offside. Oregon, Oregon was, was offside by about and thirteen they didn't, they yards. They didn't call that, right? It was it was a ridiculous ending, but uh, but no, that's too bad. Good for the Utes because uh, he would have been a problem next week um, as he comes to Rice Echo. So um, although he hasn't officially been ruled out, I think they're going to see if he can play. But if you got a hamstring injury that severe. And you're going to try and play. I I can't imagine you're going to be super effective um, 
moving anywhere inside the pocket and even maybe getting much on your throw. So it'll be interesting to see. Unless he's like Whittingham and tries to play the cute little games beforehand to throw off the opponent. Yep. So who knows? Maybe we'll get a young, inexperienced quarterback. Um, but but I'll tell you, I really like this what this Oregon State team's doing, and they can run the ball. Holy cow. Scott, I think you're right with, with Oregon being able to run the ball. And right now they're averaging about 190 yards a game. Uh, if they do have their backup quarterback in, uh, you would expect them to, to run the ball a little bit more. Uh, and I, and I think maybe that bodes well uh, for Utah because they don't are they're not getting that pass rush, uh, what we talked about. But if, if that does happen, expect big games out of Devin Lloyd, Nephi Sewell, and I think even Nate Ritchie. Um, those three guys, I, I, if if Oregon State does indeed run the ball like we expect them to, those three guys should have a monster game. Do you have the numbers as far as what he ran for against Oregon? I mean, it was over two hundred yards. Uh, yeah, so Jefferson for Oregon State, he ran for 226 yards against the Ducks on 29 carries. That's impressive. I mean, doing that against Oregon, they're, this, uh, this, the, the strength of our defense in stopping the run is going to get tested. And uh, now if we can sell out a little bit to stop the run, I think, I think we'll be really successful defensively. And uh, maybe maybe 19 points from Utah's offense will be sufficient to get the victory on Saturday. All right, before we wrap things up, uh, we'll take a look at our Pac-12 pick'em games. Uh, last week, Ryan went two and one. Scott and I went one and two. Woof! So on the season, I'm still leading. I'm ten and five. Ryan and Scott, you guys are you guys are tied at eight and seven. Uh, just to recap games from last week: Stanford beaks Cal. Uh, that was the game Ryan picked over us. Uh, the next game we picked was Oregon and Oregon State. We all had the Ducks. Uh, UCLA, Colorado was canceled. Uh, we had UCLA over Arizona. Uh, looking ahead to this week's games, uh, some interesting stuff going on with the Pac-12. The first game, Stanford's traveling to Washington. So Stanford right now cannot practice in Santa Clara because of restrictions there for COVID. Last I heard, they are traveling to Seattle and will be in Seattle for the rest of the week practicing up there. Uh, and then their development after that for next week is they may uh, stay in the state of Oregon and not go back um, to Santa Clara uh, and practice next week in Oregon. But some crazy stuff going on with Stanford. Ryan, it's your, first, it's your week to go first. Washington Trees, who do you got? Yeah, I think the Huskies have a little too much. Husky. Scott, where are you going? Uh, I'm going clearly. I'm sticking with the Huskies on this one. I think they're rolling and Stanford suck. <laughs> yeah, I'll go with Washington as well. Uh, the next game, Oregon's traveling to Cal. Oregon's a 10-point favorite. Ryan, who do you got? I pity Cal. After Oregon lost a heartbreaker, they're going to be out for blood. Ducks. Yeah, Cal remains winless, and uh, I'll go Ducks. Uh, I got the Ducks in that one as well. The next game, Colorado is traveling to Arizona. Colorado's a seven-point favorite right now. Ryan, who do you got? Arizona's going to lose their 10th straight game. Go Buffs. Can you imagine? He's not going to be a coach there. Someone rough, man. Yeah, I don't think he makes it. Yeah, I'm going to go with... uh, I don't even remember who the team is, but Colorado. I'm going with them because I'm not, I'm not picking Arizona. <laughs> I did read an article today that the seat for someone is getting hotter, so we'll see, uh, to your point, Ryan, if he makes it out this season. Uh, the next game, UCLA is traveling to ASU. Uh, ASU hasn't been able to play because of COVID. Who knows if this game gets played, but we'll go on and pick it. Uh, right now, ASU is a four-point favorite. Right, who do you got? I'm going to have to go with the Bruins because, I mean, ASU will hasn't played since week one uh, or probably hasn't had a lot of practice time either. Go with Bruins on that. Scott? Yeah, Bruins are a little surprising. Um, they're playing better than I expected them to be. I'm going to go with them as well. I, I I think ASU, man, they're in a tough spot. I just can't imagine that they're going to be able to, to resemble, you know, be a real good football team with what they've dealt with for the last three weeks. 
Yeah, for all those same reasons, I'm taking uh, UCLA. I, I think UCLA is actually playing really well this season. I'll uh, see if they've turned the corner um, as a program, but I've been actually pretty impressed with them so far. Uh, and then Washington State's driving to USC. This game is also in jeopardy. They have moved it to Sunday to try to give USC an additional day, uh, but who knows if they'll be able to make that game. But we'll go ahead and pick it. Uh, there hasn't been a line set yet. So, Ryan, who do you got, Washington State or USC? Dirty, dirty Trojans. Scott? Yeah, I will go. Whew, I think it'll be a good game, but I'll go with Trojans on that one. Yeah, I think it's going to be a really good game. Uh, I like what Washington State's been doing. Uh, and who knows what, uh, who, if, if USC can play, who's available. Um, and with, you know, their COVID and how often they've been practicing. Uh, but with all that being said, I'll take the Trojans. And the last game we're looking at, Oregon State's traveling to Utah. Uh, Utah's a 10.5 point favorite. It's pretty high for the Utes. Uh, I didn't think it would be that high. Right? who do you got and what's your score? That is a high spread coming on for an 0-2 team. Um, but I am going to get say the Utes get their first win this week, and the score will be, say the offense comes out of the funk, and they're going to drop 45. Oh, my gosh. What's, what's in that drink over there? 27. Scott, where are you going? Wow. I'm, uh, ooh, I'm, I'm, I'm going you. It's because I don't, we just, we're not going to go 0 3. That's just, that's not going to happen. We're trending in the right direction at home. I, I think, uh, I'm going to go slightly above our average. I think we're going to be able to put up 24 points on the board. And uh, I think we hold uh, Oregon State to 17. I'm kind of thinking the line, same lines as you, Scott. Uh, in this one, I'll take Utah 27, Oregon 21. So that'll do it for this episode. Ryan, where can people find you on Twitter? At Drum and Feather. Drum, the letter N, Feather. And Scott? Yeah, Uteman underscore forever. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Utah Man Podcast. You can always listen at our home at utahmanpodcast.com. And anywhere you listen to a podcast, we are there, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. Please rate and subscribe. We really appreciate all the feedback that we get from you guys. And hopefully Utah gets their first win against Oregon State. And go Utes. Go Utes. Go Utes. We'll be till I die. Kayite. We're good. Let's cut it. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are their own and are no way affiliated with the University of Utah.